What's up, folks? Welcome back to another edition of Football Theory here on Texas Football. Uh, I am joined by the lead football theorist over at Inside Texas, also author of America's War Game over on Substack. Go check it out. He is the Ian Boyd. What's going on, brother? How you doing, Ian? It's going good. It's going to be a long few days waiting for Saturday night. Oh, no, I, I'm with you, man. Uh, I'm excited already. I've been giddy about this matchup. I will admit I was looking forward. I was looking ahead to Bama, even during Rice Week. And I got a feeling Texas might have been looking ahead to Bama, too. But uh, uh, I did not introduce myself. I'm Lifetime Longhorn Rod Davis. I'm not going to waste any time. We got to get right into this matchup because I know people just like us, they are giddy about Texas versus Bama uh, in Tuscaloosa. How can Texas pull off the upset? That's what we'll get into. We'll talk about all the X's and O's from the offensive side and from the defensive side for Texas. All right, Ian, I just start with this question for you, brother, and give you the floor. Uh, offensively, what does Texas need to do in this matchup versus Bama to pull off the upset? There's been one method for beating Alabama for like 15 years now that has been the best way every single time. And that is to throw the ball around like wild. Hmm. Texas almost beat Alabama back in 2009 doing that. If they had cut, if they had cut Gil Garrett Gilbert loose a little bit earlier in that game, instead of turtling up until it got desperate, they might've beaten Alabama in 2010. They almost did. Right. They got kind of close there for a minute. It came close. Yeah. Um, Johnny football beat him throwing the ball around and running around. Tennessee beat them last year, spreading them out, throwing the ball around. When Hugh Freeze would give them fits at Ole Miss, how was he doing it? RPO, spread, tempo, spread them out. Alabama always has loads of huge bodies in the middle. Mm -hmm. It's the nature of being Alabama and being in that part of the country and all the recruiting advantages that they've had over the years they always have a ton of huge dudes up there and i know i know that sark wants texas to be at the place eventually where they can go toe-to-toe in the sec with the georgias and the alabamas and push people around and not get pushed around but that day is not today it's not saturday (laughs) they're not ready to do that that's not going to work you're not going to go into tuscaloosa pushing alabama around in the front quinn ewers Xavier Worthy, mm-hmm. Jordan Whittington, JT Sanders, Jonathan Brooks out of the backfield, AD Mitchell, throw the ball, throw the ball 40 times, throw the ball more, whatever and it takes. It seems bizarre and wild. It's not because you're going off precedent, right? In history, you're looking at it. But even from Texas' perspective, without that, that's their strength. Right. If you look at it on the in the trenches, uh, you know, Texas may or may not have a, a an advantage there in the trenches. I don't know if they do, but at the skill position, <laughs> I'm just hey, I'm just trying to be optimistic here. It's game week. But in this at the skill positions, it's clear. Even if you look at all the draft analysts, if you look at, you know, uh just some of the projections for all conference selections and all American selections in the preseason, Texas actually for the first time in a long time, they have the skill advantage on the outside. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball with all the names you just mentioned. So, yeah, it sounds crazy. Like, man, Texas going there and just try to throw the football around uh, that much. But uh, actually, it makes more sense than you think. And I'm going to ask you this. So if you're going to throw it, I mean, that many times, you're you're just going to let Quinn Quinn loose is what you're saying, right? Just let him loose. 
Is, well, it, I mean, if I'm Sark, I've been drawing up plays on a napkin for, you know, a year. <laughs> and, like, introducing them in practice. No doubt. I, I, my call sheet in this game is, like, you know, well, like one of Jimbo Fisher's, like, uh, stapled, you know, multi was like turning pages. It's like, thick. It's like that thick. <laughs> yeah. Like... <laughs> Where's that one that I need that one that was great that I thought up and, you know. Um, no doubt. And and I've been, if I'm Texas, and probably Texas has been doing this, I've been repping all kinds of specific play designs to attack Bama's rules, to attack specific Bama players, to feature specific Texas skill talent. Mm-hmm. And I've got just a big old binder of well, stuff no, that we've been working on just for Bama. And, you know, it'll come up again throughout the season, but just been it. storing it up bowls of wrath for the, for this game. And it's all going to be, yeah. How, how do we get guys open and how do we get them open quick and not like make Quinn go through a gazillion progressions, but just have him memorize like, Hey, you're going to do this. And then, Go here or check it down. Go here or check it down on this one, you know? To add to your theory, brother, I remember tweeting this out after the Bama game uh, last year, so I went and found it. I was, I was improvising here on the fly. Um, Steve Sarkeesian's game plan versus Bama, easily the most creative game plan he's had at Texas as the head coach and play caller. He used seven different personnel packages versus Alabama. Seven. And getting back to your point, brother, I'm with you. I think even since that game, he's been drawing it up. He's been in. He's been in his bag, uh, and he's been getting ready for this game. All right, let's talk about the things that will be in Sark's bag. All right, how is he gonna? If, you, if you're gonna win this game and you're gonna let it loose offensively in the passing game, Quinn Ewers has got to be at his best. So essentially, we're talking about how to maximize Quinn Ewers, how to get Quinn Ewers to shine. How do you get Quinn Ewers playing his best football to be the best version of him on the road in Tuscaloosa? All right, in a hot in the in the most hostile of hostile environments, how do you get the best out of Quinn Ewers? You want him to play his best game. Um, I got a couple of ideas here. I know you got some too, so I'll give you the floor, and we just got to go back and forth on it. Yeah, I'm going to start with the less obvious one, mm-hmm. and then I know I won't step on your ideas here. <laughs> I, they're they're going to want to spread Alabama out. Mm-hmm. They're going to want to use a lot of spread sets. Yep. But I would also play a lot of twelve personnel too. Even the big 12 personnel where they have an extra tight end that's a, an extra O-lineman. lineman, a tight end, yeah. I'd put those in, and then i just throw out of those two. Which Sark loves to do, by the way. He, yeah. he, 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 when, he, when he's in a 6-0 line package, it's, always, it's obviously play-action pass a lot of the times, but that's when he loves to take his shots because he's got extra insulation in the pass protection. He has yeah. done that a lot, actually. And I would, but I would, and I would also do the you know, play Sanders and Helm together. And uh, maybe play maybe play the jumbo tight end Helm and Sanders, and, and throw out there and run and then th- and then th- and then run mesh. <laughs> you know, no, no, it's not crazy. This is why you're not crazy. This is why football theory. You're you're brilliant. All right, it's my my man Shano. Kyle Shano has a a saying that now he's kind of got in my head. You present power personnel packages, and you pivot to play action pass principles. And, and he does it as well as anybody because they play 21 personnel and those big, they like this, like those 12 personnel packages, uh, 13 personnel, and they throw out of them because most defenses are thinking run when they see heavy sets 
and the defensive coordinators usually are, are matching personnel with your heavy sets. And that's how you can really isolate a matchup because they got mostly heavy personnel in the field. And if they don't match it, well, hell, you can, you can run out of it. You can just actually say, you know what? You're going to keep your sub packages of DBs out here when I got a six O-line package and an extra tight end. You know what? We're just going to run it down your throat then if you're going to go that route. So I agree. It's, it's, like I said, it, it's not that crazy. It might be crazy enough for you to beat Bama, though. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I like that. Yeah, that'd be my – I mean, we're going to throw all day. And like you said, when you run the ball in this game, you want to do it when you have big advantages. Like you play with three tight ends, right, and one of them's Malik Ogbo, and then they're in nickel, and you're like, okay, now we run the ball. Or, you know, you go empty – and they're in like dime and it's like, Hey, guess what? We're not going to do this maybe ever again, but this week quarterback draw. Hey, it, keep, honestly, keep the low, Quinn. <laughs> no, no. I, I'm glad you brought up the empty. That That's, that's another good idea versus Bama. And I don't know, listen, at, empty may just work versus every damn buy. We may find out deep dive analysis one day that, Hey man, you know what? It always works. It's not just isolated to one uh, matchup or another, but middle Tennessee, uh, Middle Tennessee State versus Bama out of empty, 76% completion percentage. They had 13 first downs. Eight of them came out of empty formation. Yes, they used the quarterback run game out of empty. Their four longest plays of the game came out of empty, one of them being the quarterback draw that you that you saw. I think it was like a close to a 30-yard gain by him. And they averaged 9.3 yards per play on empty reloads. It's interesting uh, for those who don't know, empty is when there's nobody in the backfield. Everybody's up on the line as a receiver. Uh, but a reload is basically when you bring one of you shift one of those guys from the line back into the backfield. And what it does, it, it kind of gives the the quarterback a sneak peek of what the defense is doing. Um, because if they were playing, you know, man coverage, guy would you know follow. If you know, and we know empty cleans things up. Right, it cleans things up for the quarterback, gives them a little bit of clarity. Well, you got even more when you empty reloads. So they averaged over nine yards per play when they did empty reloads, all of them being pass plays, by the way. So going back to your theory about you got to throw the ball, but then also going to your theory about spreading them out. You can even do this from heavy packages. You can do it from 12. You can do it from 21. Oh, by the way, two biggest plays of the game versus Rice for Texas, they were in 21 personnel. Just throwing that out there, all right? Now, I don't know if Sark's going to do it, but goes back to you're talking about, brother. You can still run 21 personnel. Last year, it was your most explosive personnel package by far. And like I said, you can still do that out of empty. So empty works, yes, versus Bama too. And throw it out there, one more last nugget. Empty formation for Quinn Ewers in the, uh, in the Alamo Bowl versus Washington. Um, he had a... Uh, you go look at it for him. It was pretty good. He ended up having a 87% completion percentage and a first down rate, first down touchdown rate of over 38%. And that's even with, um, I believe they were an empty <clears throat> on the throw where he had Worthy running free down the middle and he hit him in stride one of the, one of the only times, right? And, and Worthy it, dropped it. Dropped, yep. <laughs> yeah. Even with that, they were still – uh, Matthew, if you can put up Texas empty, our diagram, it's fantastic. We love empty. We talk about empty every week, it seems like. It does. Um, <laughs> one of the things that you can do with empty that's going to be really valuable against Alabama, and, and Rod pointed this out to me. I, I get to talk about it, but but this was Rod's, uh, Rod's notion. You play the running back and the tight end out wide. Let me get my hands in frame. 
put them as <laughs> the lightest guys on the field. Yeah. And then if they match them with their corners, then you have your Worthy, your Whittington, your Mitchell, your Nayor, Cook, whoever's inside, lined up inside on linebackers and safeties. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's great. A lot of reasons. One of those reasons is that Alabama at linebacker, they are not – how do I put this? It's not like they're bad at linebacker, but they don't have Jalen Ford. They don't have, you know, Luke Kukli, right? That guy. Kukli. <laughs> should have yeah. thought of somebody's name I could pronounce. It's the weird spelling that messes you up with the U in there. <laughs> He's the guy the Seahawks used to drop back, like Bobby Wagner. Oh, Bobby Wagner, yeah. No doubt. None of those guys play for Alabama this year, from what I can tell. You get you get these guys matched up on, you know, wit, worthy. That's a good matchup. Also, their safeties that they played in the Middle Tennessee State game were senior Malachi Moore, who had somebody land and roll on his ankle. Yeah. So he we don't know what shape he's in for this week. Uh Jalen Key. Yep. The UAB transfer who looked pretty good. But he's kind of a bigger guy, like 210 mm-hmm. pounds. And uh, he picked off a bad pass. And then I think he might have got hurt on the return. He did. He did. He's, he, he there's two of them. Him. They're both day-to-day. So they yeah. might play. They might be fine. But, you know, you know, make sure. And then their other safety didn't get hurt is uh, freshman Caleb Downs. Yeah. Five now, he's smart, awesome. Right? Yeah. He's going to be like an All-American. He's going to get drafted. It's great. He's a freshman. This is his second game ever. <laughs> he's not had to process a lot, you know? That's true. I'm he's with there. you. And he's and right now, this week, he's probably having to learn their game plan from multiple positions. Because Wait, of the injury question. Yeah. You you move him around, you put him in mental hell, and you go at him. And then you just leave leave Jonathan Brooks out there, leave JT Sanders, whoever else, maybe Gunner Helm. Right, play 12 personnel and then send Gunner Helm and Brooks to the wide ends of the field. Yep. Um, and if they play him with corners, then you know, motion him in or run something else. But uh, I, I think that's going to be a big, a big key. Totally to agree. Team. Yeah, te- and I'm with you about testing it because I Caleb Downs apparently he is the real deal. And I, I didn't know this, and I, Jerry Hamilton told me this his brother is Josh Downs. Um, the uh, receiver from North Carolina, I believe, something like that. And his dad played in the league as a, a, a was a running back. So, oh, he's got good genes, man. He's got it in the genes. So he's, he's a really good player. Uh, I'm with you about that, though, attacking the safeties and the linebackers. Another way to do that, crossing routes, drag routes. I can't tell you how many times I got in arguments on the sideline with linebackers because they weren't picking up the drag route or the crossing route when it was their responsibility because, oh, they got preoccupied, eyes in the backfield, right? So you can occupy their eyes with, and this is, I think we just add this together, the RPO game. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm with, I'm with you. I think that they're running more RPOs. I think this is the perfect game for a ton of RPOs. Now, Nick Saban is obsessed with defending the RPO and talks about how that's why you got to play a lot of man coverage, perfect defense to defend the RPO these days. Uh, but, man, Quinn Ewers, in the game versus Rice, 7 of 7 on RPO throws. I mean, he was dealing. That seems to be his comfort zone, too. Even his footwork seems natural in the RPO. He doesn't have to lose eye contact with the defense. It, to me, and by the way, it's in a combination basically of the quick game and the run game. It's kind of a combination of them both. 
I I think R, a lot of RPOs in this matchup too. That exploits the linebackers and those at the second level because it occupies their eyes. Um, and then that's when you can get a lot of different things going. So in addition to the drag routes and crossing routes, usually don't get those RPOs. Those are tags uh, most of the time. Glance routes, things on the outside. That's Jay Witt though category. That that's a, J, a JT Sanders category. But the crossing routes and the drag concepts. I'm telling you, man, they can be lethal. They just they they're they're hell on linebackers, especially a company with play action pass. I think it's going to take some <clears throat> schematic work to get the RPOs open. Because if I'm Alabama, I come into this game and I'm like, we're covering down on all your split out receivers. We're not going to give you the easy, quick game RPOs. You're going to run the ball. Um, and we're going to force you to run the ball inside on the Boyd Bay, Otis, that Ooh. Allen kid, Keenan, whoever the guy is that's playing those at like 330 or something. They got all these big old guys. They got some. That's where they want the game. Yep. Especially if they're beat up at um, in the secondary, then they're definitely going to try to cover down on those RPOs. You can still get them if you scheme, you know, if you work hard schematically to formation like a linebacker into a coverage spot, but it can get kind of tricky. But then to your point, if people can remember the New England versus Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl, Mm-hmm. The Eagles were all RPO. That was like their big thing. And oh, yeah. For the, the two weeks going into the Super Bowl, it was like RPO this, RPO that. What is New England going to do? Blah, blah, blah. New England played man coverage. Mm-hmm. They're like, you're going to run the ball. You're going to run the ball on, you know, whoever they had back, whatever big guys they had. Maybe uh, they might have still had Will Fork. I don't remember exactly. Yeah. But uh, New England was like, no, we're not going to let you throw quick, easy throws. We're going to take that away with man coverage. And then what was the play of the game? Matthew, give mm-hmm. me Texas mesh rail. Yeah. <laughs> they screwed <laughs> up New England on this play. I think, like, I can't remember the specific stats. I think, like, I think it was the Patriots who never punted, but they still lost. Hmm. The Eagles, like, punted once. They scored a gazillion points. They were open all day on this. It is very hard to defend this play from man coverage. You got the quarterback's eyes go the wheel route by the running back. It's kind of a wheel route. They call it a rail because you can throw it Mm -hmm. a lot faster than a wheel. Uh, If they don't trade that or pick it up from linebacker, then um, it just opens up the nightmare of crossing routes in the middle and the curl in the middle. They ran this play a bunch of times against Rice. This play is like the ultimate complement to the RPO offense. Mm -hmm. Um, So – Assuming Sark didn't just throw this all out just to just to get Alabama chasing ghosts. <laughs> I think we're going to see a lot of it. And they ran a version. I kind of diagrammed it here, but the, the I, I had to draw Alabama in press coverage because that's probably what they're going to do, so it doesn't look as good. But they ran a version where Xavier Worthy would be out of the concept on the outside, and he'd run an option route. Yeah. And, and Quinn, if he saw a good matchup out there for Worthy – he wouldn't even do the mesh progression. He would just drop back and chuck it to, mm-hmm. to Worthy. Yeah. So I think we're going to see 100 versions of mesh in this game because, it. I mean, I think Sark did telegraph it. I, th- I think he did. I think they want to RPO. Alabama knows they want to RPO. Cover everything in man. Guess what? Crossing patterns. Mm. Yeah. 
Does that and that I wonder if that comes from Sark loves the comp compressed and condensed sets, bunch formations. I wonder if you see a lot of it out of those different sets, or they end up motioning to those different sets too. Since we're talking about the passing game, let me ask you this: theoretically, if you're if you're Nick Saban in Alabama, you just talked about how they're going to take away some of those e easy completions for Texas. Is it possible that Bama could flood the short to intermediate game, uh, maybe situationally and and not not obviously give up the deep ball, but just not overemphasize the deep ball and essentially take away the strength for Texas because we know their strength is not completing the deep ball. And I wonder if it's possible, like almost in basketball, when you're a bad shot, they leave you open. <laughs> it's like, well, why am I open? Well, because you can't hit that shot. So nobody wants to defend you. I wonder if there could be some of that where they, they're really aggressive defending short intermediate cuts underneath cuts um, because they, and they don't fear the deep ball essentially from Texas. Is that possible? Or are we going to see them still play with a lot of discipline to, to keep them from getting the deep ball over the top? That is a chilling thought, Rod. Uh, isn't it yeah. scary? <laughs> they, they should do that. Honestly. Um, so the, the way teams usually do that is um, there's a couple ways they could do that. They could play like, um, they could play too high, but just have the safeties just like tell them like jump, jump stuff. Yeah. Sit. Sit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the other way is they could play single high and drop a safety down in the middle of the field to rob. Yeah. That's like a traditional saving mm -hmm. thing. Honestly, yep. anyway, um, whether or not they have a guy that would excel at that, I don't know, but you could definitely see that. Maybe the former option is better. That could be, that could be a concern. I mean, that was a problem for Texas last year. That's it. Kansas State started doing that at the end of the game because they couldn't stop Bijan, and so they're like, forget it. If they beat us over the top, they're beating us anyway. Mm -hmm. And then TCU the next week was all in on that same strategy. Um, so, yeah, if I'm Alabama, that is probably what I'm going to do. And, yeah. Uh, because I remember Oklahoma State, you, you've watched a lot of Oklahoma State over the years. Even with a different D.C., you know, they're, they've been one of the best third-down teams in the country, like for the last like four, maybe four, four or five years, something like that. And one of their kind of secrets is on third down, they, they like to sit. They like to sit on routes. They like to sit on at, they sit at the sticks, as they say. They'll sit on a route or two and at least play it flat-footed. They're not letting you have the over-the-top. They, they figure it's a lower percentage throw to throw it over my head. And most third-down offenses are built to get the first down. Usually a coach is not going to throw a 14, 15-yard route on a third and five or a third and six. Um, but you could do that. But So they were kind of built on that philosophy. And in that game, Sark threw it deep a lot. They threw it deep a lot because I think they kept thinking, oh, we got it. We can run right past these guys. And uh, sometimes that can be a bit, you know, of a uh, flawed logic. So anyway, I just throwing it out there. I want to get your thoughts on it. Let, let's talk about this. Is pass because you, you say they got to throw it. Is pass protection a concern? If coming off the rice game for you, if they got to throw it all over the place versus Bama and Tuscaloosa. Yeah, okay, it is. But this is this is what I'm doing this week, and it may or may not be what Texas is doing as well. I got Cole Hudson back now. I'm playing. Banks, Connor, uh, Majors, Hudson, Jones. My lineup from last year. 
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. I know that that lineup is not optimal for running the ball. I just don't care this week. <laughs> when we play Wyoming, when we play the next teams, I want to try to get Campbell back in the mix. I want to get maybe I want to get Neto in the mix. This week, don't worry about that. Connor, you're still in there. Play a little lower and harder in the run game, but I, I, I want him in there. I want Hudson in there. Campbell was a bit lost last week. I think they probably threw some stuff that Texas hadn't prepared him for. Uh, Rice did. Yeah. I think his ceiling as a pass protector is actually probably higher than Connor or uh, Hudson with time because he's got long arms. He's a great athlete. He's hard to move. Mm. He's so heavy on bottom, you know? Yeah. But not this week. I, I don't want to, I don't want this week to be a, this is not a learning opportunity. Yeah. Unless you're learning from the bench, <laughs> you know? I'm with you. Yeah. You only play guys you trust versus Bama. We'll see who, who Sark and his staff trust. If they, like we see a lot of guys play versus Rice. If, if they don't trust those guys, those guys will not be playing versus Bama. So we'll know the true rotation uh, versus Bama. And you'll know it pretty early on too. Uh, there was a lot made since we're talking about pass protection and the offensive line, them, you know, obviously having a week to correct their issues. Um, hopefully that's something that ends up being uh, progressive for them. But I wonder the deep ball um, versus Rice, Texas was 0 for 6 on passes 20 yards or more down the field, 0 for 7 on passes 15 yards or more down the field. Are there how many deep shots over under in this matchup versus Bama? Random question I got for you. We know Sark is dedicated to it. He has it's more than a proclivity for him. He's he's obsessed and it's a compulsion for him. Uh, he threw six of them versus Rice. Only one of those, I believe, in the second half, though. Second half, they changed completely the offensive identity. Um, but what are your thoughts versus Bama, depending on how they decide to uh, defend Texas offense? I'm going over whatever the number is. You're going over. Unless they can get a lead, you know, maybe they. Uh, we'll talk about this in a minute. You 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 turn over Jalen Milrow a couple times, you get a lead. Eh, maybe don't worry so much about the deep shot. Um, although in that event, Alabama's going to start pressing up, and then you might have to. Um, that is exactly. That's the thing. I want to take shots. I want to practice them hard. If we can't make them, then we're not ready to beat Bama. So more or less than last week, I'll say it was it was six last week. So you're going oh, over. I'm going over. Man, if you man, you can't go over if you go over six no. shots versus Bama. You got to hit on at least one or two of them shots, man. Got to. Well, I know. I already know what people are going to say, which is like, if you can't hit them, then don't try to win that way. But it's like. You got to try to win this game. You're not going to win this game unless you get big plays. Yes. The only way those are going to happen is you land a shot, you make a turnover on defense, 
or uh, somebody gets free and they just, they're gone, you know, right yards after catch. And those, I mean, you want to try to create all of them. You want to try to game plan to create all of them, but I big shots. It's not just a Sark Peccadillo, like big shots change games. Big shots are the most important dimension of any offense. Any offensive style, if you hit deep shots, works better. Even right. Army and Navy, they take deep shots, you know? Yeah. It's, it's no, essential. It is essential. I agree with you. It's just they are bad at it. They are. Uh, it's, it is pretty, <laughs> right? It's, it's pretty obvious now that that's not a strength for Quinn Ewers. And, and it's weird because for Sark, that is such a crucial element of his offense, and it makes him a little in- incompatible with Quinn. Uh, but I'm with you because I think Bama, at one point during the game, situationally, they will flood those short to intermediate areas. They're just going to – you just you have been watching film on Texas if you don't. And when they do, I'm with you. I think Sark's got to take a shot. My only problem with it is in a lot – four of the six shots against Rice were on first down. And – I do think without Bijan and Rojo throwing 48% of your deep balls, which is how much they were last year, uh, throwing 48% of them on first down with being as inefficient as you are, that is what puts you behind the chains. They averaged 8.9 yards to gain on third down versus Rice. If that happens versus Bama, you're in trouble. And most of that was because they would throw deep on first down and then end up with second and 10, run the ball, third and then nine to get one or two yards. I mean, it's the best time to throw it, though. <laughs> the best time to throw you it. You sound like Sark. You sound like Sark. But it's the best time yeah. to throw it, though. <laughs> First and 10, right, when they're not playing back. That's true. And they're, not, and they're not scheming up a pressure. Or, this is the other one. And this is going to make me sound like a radical. Okay, <laughs> but the third and one or the fourth and one deep shot. I love which he I did. Did he do it? Did he do it last year? Wasn't it a fourth and one deep shot against that they didn't make? Remember, was it Iowa State? Maybe. Who was it? I don't know. I don't remember. Oh, maybe two years ago. Yeah, he did that. He South did that. We did a good time for a deep shot on fourth and one. He, dude, I swear, sorry, did I swear we've seen this? Oh man, I'm gonna go find it for you, brother. I promise. All right, continue before <laughs> we get to defense. If that's where we're going next, yes, sir. Casey Thompson was a pretty bad deep ball thrower. And I had despaired of him really getting very good at it. And then heading into Oklahoma, what happened? Got the timing. And all of a sudden, he's just spraying the ball all over the field. Oklahoma Oklahoma was terrible in the secondary that year. But um, still, though. It clicks. You find the right concept. You find the right rhythm, and all of a sudden, floodgates could open. So, no, nah, that's a good point. And Case McCord was like that too. He didn't have a great D ball, but he oh had his games where he would just be hitting on the D ball. I'm like, how? How? What? What's going on? And I think it was Oklahoma too. <laughs> I don't know what it is about that Texas. Better time. Yeah, exactly. Right. You're right. It's all about the timing of it. Uh, one more thing though about because we didn't bring this up. We actually brought this up in our first football theory. I do think. Uh, Sark's going to have some wrinkle in this game. I'm not sure exactly what it's going to be. I wonder if you'll see more wide receivers in the backfield just as a freaky, even starting there and motioning them out just as a freaky change of pace, even running routes from there. We've seen it one or two times. I think we may see it in this game too. There's something we haven't seen from Sark that we will see. I'm just not sure exactly what it is. Another, um, uh, another crazy thing they could do there is the uh, 
I wrote about this in the offseason. Play Nayor, Mitchell, Worthy, Sanders, Whittington. Mm. No running back. Yeah. But then you motion Whittington into the backfield or or anyone really to throw. Or if it's like you get like crazy sub package, 10 defensive backs in the field, whatever, motion Whittington in the backfield, bring Sanders in to block and run split zone, right? Yeah. And make them just, and now all of a sudden your weak looking run game is a smash mouth. You speak in my language, man. I actually suggested something very similar with, with Savion Red and, yeah. and basically kind of a, a hybrid, which Jay Witt could be too. And yeah, man, you can go empty with that and freak it out. If they don't, if they adjust, put them in the backfield, hell, and just run it. If they actually, I, I'm with you. That's, you might be on to something. They, they're thinking about something. There's something that Sark's been brewing for a while uh, that will be unveiled versus Bama. Um, okay, so let's talk about the uh, Texas defense, which looked great versus Rice. That defensive front is deep, and it is a uh, really a deep defensive uh, front seven period because even Jalen Ford, man, he picked up right where he left off. I mean, he looks fantastic, like the best coverage linebacker potentially in the country. And the D-line, it went 12 deep in that Rice game. Uh, but they got a different type of challenge versus Alabama because Jalen Milrow is a true dual threat quarterback. And he's he's got a lot of comparisons to Jalen Hurts. Do you agree with this Jalen Hurts comparison? I, Bobby's made the comparison. Uh, my man Aaron Hogan made the, made the comparison. I've heard it actually, too, with other national analysts. you agree with the Jalen Hurts, Jalen Milrow comp? I like it pretty well. Uh, yeah. I actually was uh... – an Alabama fan of my Substack was arguing with me, sort of arguing with me earlier, but he was like, Milrow is actually faster, but Hertz was more of a downhill power guy. Yeah. And I, I, I'm kind of happy to defer that to the Alabama fan. He doesn't think Milrow is as much. So like with Hertz, they would run like quarterback power. Yeah. And they would run zone read, but they'd flip the running back and the quarterback mm-hmm. to where the running back takes the outside path and the quarterback takes the inside zone path. Oh, wow. Talk about messing up. Talk about uh, confusing your keys as a defender. Yeah, it was, it was rough. It was rough. <laughs> and Hertz was good. He could run between the tackles on that. Yeah, he's strong. He's still doing it. Yeah, he's still doing it. <laughs> With the tush push or whatever they call it up there. Yeah, I don't know how much longer he's going to be able to do that. But thus far, uh, so I don't know if Milrow has that Saturday would be a bad time to find out that's wrong, but uh, but I think I think it's they're both really athletic. I think they're both really poised, like strong locker room leader guys, and they're both pretty big. They're both like two twenty. Yeah, that's the thing. I think people are looking at is just how kind of thick those guys are. Um, But honestly, it still concerns me. Number one, Texas doesn't have a quarterback on their roster that simulates that. So the first time they really see it, um, it will be in that game. First time they can kind of get a taste of it. And there, there can be an acclimation period uh, with dual threat quarterbacks just early on while you figure out the speed and what type of quarterback design runs they're going to use. Like you said, hell, maybe they can go quarterback power. Sark says they got every quarterback run available to them, but that doesn't mean they're going to use all of them. They definitely got them in the playbook because mostly because of Jalen Hurts and his time there. Uh, is, is it, is it going to be key to have a spy on them? Every down, someone assigned to him on every down, run, play, or pass play? No. Um, so, Matthew, if you can give us a Texas zone option contain diagram. The nice thing about PK's 245 
is that it's sort of a pro style scheme, but it's actually ideal for stopping like zone read offenses because the way it works is for PK, the edges always play contain on the option. The overhangs, right? Those, yeah. They're the, like the, they're like, you know, the defensive ends. Yeah. Yeah. They're they, always wide and they always play contain. Yeah. So there's the quarter, there's no real read for the quarterback. The, the, the design of the defense is like, you're running this play so you can get, so you can get your quarterback on the edge or so you can get better numbers in the box. We're going to give you the numbers in the box. Knock yourself out. And our defense knows where the ball is going because we're going to give you the same read, right? And then the next feature of PK's 245 is that both of his defensive tackles are generally like nose tackles. They're huge. They're huge. <laughs> yeah, we know that's that's like a consistent like element of all of his defense. He got a, he got a big giant defensive tackle in there, and he's got another one with sweat. Yeah, he got he got plenty. Yeah, you got you got more. Yeah, Murphy. Yeah, you got a bunch of them. Yeah. <laughs> when he played, uh, when he played Jalen Hurts in the playoffs in 2016, he actually played his two four five, but he played a nose tackle as one of the edges. I saw that. It was Elijah Qualls. Yeah, it was freaky. That was weird, man. What was the point? It is. That's crazy. It's I wild. don't know exactly. I guess when the the plays in Alabama ran it straight, Qualls um, oh. did a good job. He just kept contained. If they do that with Collins, I will not be surprised. Yeah, I agree. Um, they're just going to say, we're not going to let you loose on the edge. You're going to have to win this game by running it downhill on Sweat, on Murphy, Murphy. on wh whoever off the bench, on Ford knowing the ball is going to fit inside. Our safeties are knowing the ball is, you know, they're, they're just going to eliminate the whole question of it. Um, it's actually how the Patriots keep bringing up Patriots Super Bowl. Patriots hey. played the Seahawks that way in the Super Bowl with Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch. Did the mm -hmm. same thing: two, four, five, two big guys inside, contain the ball, take your chance. You know. Yeah. No, I. Uh, that's a good point, and I think also they gotta get when they do spy Jalen Murray. They have to have variety with it. Um, I think it's too tough to just put one guy on a quarterback these days for the entire game. There's too many spot beaters. Jalen Milrow is an adaptive athlete. He'd figure out some way to crack a, uh, to make a big play and crack one. I think, and also to confuse him. Uh, you want to confuse him a little bit so he doesn't know where it's coming from. Um, he's going to be looking for that spy. You would like him to have to decipher play to play where that guy's coming from. I think you should change it up play to play situationally. What are your thoughts about the spy on Jalen Milrow when you when you do decide to spy him? Yeah, so the spy for just for anyone that doesn't really know what that means for. Um, a spy is when you assign a player where they're not in coverage and they're not in pass rush. Their job is to spy a quarterback. Wherever he goes, don't let him get loose. Um, Matthew, if you can give us Texas-Bama spy diagram, the most – I think this is the only spy play I've seen Texas run. Mm. Is they'll play they'll, – they'll rush with three. They'll drop the buck edge to spy the quarterback – and yeah. then they'll have the defensive, the normal seven guys in the defensive backfield play coverage. So it's like a, it's like a drop eight defense, but it's not because you're not really dropping eight. One of those guys is strictly shadowing the quarterback. Mm -hmm. um, I think Texas could, will call this a few times on downs where you're worried about the scramble. 
I think on first and 10, they're not going to call for a spy. On second and 10, they might. Depending on, on that, yeah. Third and eight, for sure, they're going to have something, right? And I think that they'll use Anthony Hill for that. He, oh. he, com- he comes in in the set package anyway at that position. He does. Yeah. And uh, he's he's the kind of guy you like. Anthony Hill may not be like ready to read flow or like dissect a lot on the field, but hey, go chase that guy and don't let him get open right up his alley. Because yeah. Hill's got great closing speed, great tackler. Um, and then the other thing that they can do, Matthew. Texas rush three drop eight diagram. I diagrammed a blitz they ran against uh, Rice where they played like five on the line with like two linebackers on the edges and then three defensive linemen. Hey, I saw this uh, alignment. They, they ran that a lot. They did, yeah. And on this one, they only, they only pass rush with three and they ran like a stunt with the jack looping around and they had the Bucks, they had the outside edge guys like show at the tackles like they were going to rush that the tackles would stay there and then it was a three on three inside Mm. and then they would drop back into zone coverage yeah um i think we're going to see stuff like this a lot where you like show pressure at milrow so he can be like okay good i don't have to go read this i'm gonna go take off and make a play i don't have to try to decipher what you know Mm. you know yeah back now's my chance but then instead, there's eight guys in coverage. Uh-oh, there's nowhere to run. And not only that, I think they'll play more I think they'll play more like kind of simple spot drop zone. Get good depth so that they can't get easy completions. Have eyes on the quarterback. But have eyes on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a lot of cover three kind of stuff. Yeah. They did you that know. against Kurtz. No, you're right. No, because remember Sarkson's heard about that from, from the scrimmages. When Arch lit him up for 20 miles per hour, 20 MPHs on him, he wanted, he's like, man, our backs were to the quarterback. We got we to gotta be better in our pass rush lanes, he talked about. And I guarantee they learned their lesson about uh, making sure they got their eyes on the QB. One of the – I think you're going to see this. And I, I've been obsessed with empty. It's just – maybe I see empty everywhere now. All right, so it's a problem for me. Uh, but Rice actually had some success versus Texas out of empty formation. Um, you know, 85% completion. Their only touchdown came out of empty. I uh, remember last year, the one big adjustment by Alabama to basically beat Texas was putting Bryce Young in empty formation. He was eight of eight in the second half. And that was their big adjustment to basically won in the game. It's in Alabama's repertoire. Now they got Jalen Murrow, uh, you know, another dual threat quarterback uh, to, you know, I- inject into, you know, that concept of empty. I think you'll see it. So for Texas, just be ready. For it. I don't know how much they're going to use it. I don't know if it'll be four plays, five plays situationally. I have no idea. Guarantee you're going to see it. Hell, it may be one of their little cheat codes in their game plan because, like I said, it works against everybody. And I know they know how to use it. And hell, they should know how to defend it, but it doesn't seem like anybody really knows how to defend it. You just kind of contain it. And that's yeah. pretty much the what seems to be the game plan versus empty these days. I'm gonna do some research on how to defend empty because I haven't seen anybody yet like really shut it down. It's really weird. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, that's kind of yeah. Maybe that. Maybe we'll we'll figure that out in the off season. <laughs> hey, that'll be another show. Football theory <laughs> breakdown of yeah. empty. All right. Um, in regards to Texas Bama, any other closing thoughts? Uh, about offense or defense, either side of the ball, hell, maybe even special teams. 
any other closing thoughts here on Football Theory before we wrap it up, Ian? I think I think the game very liable to come down to special teams or turnovers. Um, I think both teams kind of want the same thing on defense. Alabama wants to make Texas beat them by running downhill in the trenches on their defensive mm-hmm. line. Texas wants the same thing. They want Alabama to have to beat them the same way. Um, or else, you know, Milrow executing throws down the field. I think <clears throat> where this game is liable to come down to is uh, teams forcing the other to try to execute long drives. Mm-hmm. And then who can do that without making mistakes and how bad the mistakes, how bad are the mistakes if and when they come? Yeah. So like Texas drop back into zone all day. Maybe Milrow beats you a couple times with some scripted empty pass play, right? You haven't seen it yet. He hits a completion. They get a first down. Okay. We made a tackle. Do it again. Exactly. Again. Yeah. And um, I, it's like, it could come down to like, you know, Milrow making plays with his legs versus Ewers making plays with his arms. I, I feel like Texas has the advantage. And mm. is, I guess is my closing thought. I, I like Ewers with a ton of preparation for this game. Milrow may or may not have just had to come through a quarterback fall camp battle. I don't know how much special attention he's given Texas, right? Yeah. When he was busy fending off. Buckner and Simpson and whoever else. Um, yeah, they, the, the experienced quarterback in a game like this can make all the difference. Or the receiver that just makes it easy for the quarterback. And that guy's on the Texas roster too. I don't yeah, think he's on the Bama roster. Yeah, that's a great point. It's one of them. JT, X-Man, AD. It could be any of those guys. Hell, Jay Witt too. Uh, no, I'm with you on that. I got a feeling neither team is going to be able to run the football from a traditional running game, with a traditional running game. I got a feeling both of those are going to be uh, under underperforming aspects for both offenses, and they got to find other ways to win. Which means the both both quarterbacks, whichever quarterback, can just make plays, whether it be with his arm, like you said, it could be Jalen Milrow's legs. I think it's going to come down to which one, which of those, those quarterbacks can make the most plays, and um, we'll see. I uh, I went through though about Quinn Ewers and the preparation. They've been preparing for this for a long time. I cannot wait to see the bag of tricks that Sark breaks out against Alabama. Um, all right, Ian, thank you for your time, brother, as always. Let me get to a message out there first for the people out there. You want to get more of Ian Boyd's work because it is great work. Uh, guys, Inside Texas, give InsideTexas.com a try. Uh, it's the ultimate source for the very latest in Longhorn football and recruiting information. Uh, we got a very uh, cool special going on right now over at Inside Texas just for folks who tune in to On Texas Football. So all you got to do is the introductory offer. You get two months of Inside Texas for just $1. That's right, two months for just $1. That's the best price you can get, folks. All you got to do is use the promo code uh, OTFIT23. So OTFIT23, um, and you choose uh, the monthly option, and that is how you take advantage of that great special. So check it out, folks. My man Ian Boyd, the lead football theorist over there, he always has great content. There's a lot of those guys have great content. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop a column. We're going to review some of this and maybe a couple other nuggets tomorrow in a column. My guy, Paul Wadlington, you could call him a football theorist as well. Yes. He's got stuff. He's, I saw he's already posted something on the board I haven't read yet. I'm going to go read it. I always read everything he does. It's a lot of good stuff. As good as the show is, there's, there's, other, there's other nuggets that me and Rod can't always get to in, in 30, 40 minutes. So check it out. 
Yeah, no, my Paul is part of my prep too, man. I always check Paul out. He always does good, good stuff, as well as the boys. All the crew over there, they're great. Jerry Hamilton, Justin Wells, uh, the Inside Texas crew, man. They, uh, they are on top of it all the time. All right, uh, we'll be back next week. Hopefully, we're talking about a dub for a Texas football, but either way, we'll be breaking it down. We watched the film, so you don't have to. This is another edition of Football Theory. Join us uh, tomorrow, same, I'm oh, sorry, join us next week, excuse me, same time, same channel. Hook em.